Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Things you don't really need to know, or probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday Seven. On this week's episode of the award-winning Sunday 7, we take a look at a breakthrough in Alzheimer's research, get the inside track on crypto's ETFs with Will Guyot, and find out why bite marks have been ruled out as forensic evidence, and learn about Retro the Rhesus Monkey. But first, on this day in 1976, the Concorde jet began a new era of supersonic air travel. Two simultaneous flights took place, one leaving London for Bahrain, the other flying from Paris to Brazil. The Concorde was a joint venture between the UK and France, and had engines that were twice as powerful as normal jet engines and travelled at Mach 2, resulting in 50% shorter travel time. However, Concorde didn't last, with the final flight taking place in 2003. This week has seen some of the coldest temperatures in the UK since the big freeze of 2010, as temperatures of minus 14 were recorded in Scotland on Tuesday. A meteorologist and Channel 5 weather presenter, Claire Nassier, says the UK is currently in the grip of an Arctic blast. Well, the cold weather is coming from the Arctic, and I was just looking the other day at temperatures just off the coast of Norway. There's an island called Svalbard and it's got a a weather station there and it recorded a maximum temperature of minus 19 degrees celsius now that's baltic isn't it Mm. so you get a gist of where the the air is coming from and how cold it is however sea surface temperatures really modify the air mass as it moves across the uk so sea surface temperature in the north are moving around six or seven degrees celsius so that really sparks lots of energy in the atmosphere the reason why we're getting those snow showers a real mix of cold and less cold but certainly in land, because the air is so cold, particularly through the night we see starry skies, any warmth in the air radiates away into the upper atmosphere, and that's where we get those low temperatures. And for the snowfields of Scotland, well, the temperature doesn't rise much through the day either. It just Any sunshine just reflects off and just pushes away. We're also in the El Nino weather cycle, which tends to lead to more extreme temperatures by shifting the flow of the jet stream. That means both colder winters and hotter summers for Europe. And with temperatures already breaking records because of climate warming, we could be looking forward to an uncomfortable year ahead. The UN and the World Health Organization have been increasingly vocal in their calls for action on climate change. Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus was at this week's World Economic Forum in Davos. He had a plea for the private sector to become more proactive in tackling the health risks from the changing environment. Climate change is increasing disasters, driving hunger and water scarcity, and fueling the spread of infectious outbreaks. And I can go on and on. I think everybody knows the problems. We know the private sector is cutting edge technology, and that that's very very important to to, to tap to. And the fourth is market-based approach in collaboration with the private sector uh, can facilitate the adoption of market-based approach uh, to climate and and health financing. This includes mechanisms such as impact investing, 
green bonds and public-private partnerships and the joint partnership, the scalability and efficiency can also be captured. We've all become familiar with the concept of cryptocurrency at this stage, although whether or not I could actually talk you through how a blockchain works is another matter. But this week saw a new development in crypto as the Bitcoin exchange rolled out ETFs. What are ETFs? Well, let's check in with our Sunday 7 tech guru, Will Guyot, and find out. Will, crypto-based ETFs. What are they? Strap yourself in, we're about to get nerdy. An ETF, or exchange traded fund, is an investment made up of a collection of securities. Now traditionally they've been things like bonds, commodities, currency and stock in a company. Crypto ETFs track the price movement of virtual currencies. They also enable them to be traded more like a traditional share, which you get on a stock exchange. And without completely falling down this rabbit hole, a crypto ETF will enable more mainstream investors like my uncle Tony to put their cash into assets that represent Bitcoin. This actually also removes the need to actually own or manage the crypto yourself. You'll be doing it through a third party. And this is probably not a bad thing for the more nervous investors like my uncle when you consider the billions of dollars of losses annually in this rapidly evolving crypto market. But to some, some of the growth and the volatility that comes with crypto is becoming increasingly attractive. This will enable them to tap into that market. So this is a safer way to invest in crypto. One look at my bank balance would tell you I'm definitely not qualified to offer financial advice, but there certainly is an effort for this to make it more possible for regular investors to get to grips with the world of crypto without some of the practically unfathomable procedures you'd need to learn. If safer isn't the word, I'd certainly settle for attempted legitimization. It seems like banks and investment funds are slowly warming up to crypto, but not everyone is, right? Well, James Diamond, the billionaire chief of the US bank JP Morgan is certainly no fan of cryptocurrencies and he went as far as to promise to no longer diss Bitcoin at the World Economic Forum in Davos last week before he absolutely roasted it, presumably for the last time. He told finance journalists at CNBC that Bitcoin was like a pet rock because it does nothing and suggested that the only real use cases for the digital currency were sex trafficking and money laundering, neither of those really a glowing endorsement. And when he was asked about the ETFSs, he said, I don't care, just please stop talking about this shit. So are we headed to a future where everything is crypto, or will I still need the occasional £20 note? Have you tried buying something bigger than a flat screen TV with cold hard cash these days? Most retailers look at you like you're literally on fire. And while that doesn't mean we're all heading for a crypto future, it's clear that businesses and even governments around the world are now looking towards digital currencies as a future. They believe there's a significant saving to be had in operating one. And there's this great ability to track people, which really alarms many privacy campaigners, but definitely pleases the tax man. There's still a long way to go before crypto could replace cash. There's regulatory hurdles, a huge percentage of people who've still never heard of digital currencies, and a bunch of experts like old James who wouldn't touch them with yours. Still to come on the Sunday 7, we get more detail on breakthrough in treatment for Alzheimer's and the latest on Iceland's volcanic eruption. Bye. 
One of the major health risks in the 21st century is dementia. There are 55 million people worldwide currently diagnosed with the condition, with up to 10 million new cases every year. Finding a cure or at least treatments to slow the disease's progression as a priority, and there have been some promising drugs developed that are currently in trial mode. But delivering drugs to the brain has proven to be difficult, as the blood-brain barrier protects your brain from what it sees as toxins, which includes drugs that are intended to help treat the disease. There are experimental solutions being developed, including one by a neuroscience pioneer who has already developed treatments for Parkinson's disease and other brain disorders. He is Dr Ali Rezai and he's been working on an ultrasound treatment which targets specific areas of the brain and temporarily breaks the brain-blood barrier to allow delivery of experimental drug Adjuhelm. Dr Rezai is running the project at the Rockefeller Neuroscience Institute at West Virginia University and he spoke to 60 Minutes this week about his work. He says that you can also improve your overall brain health before you develop symptoms. If you know you have plaques and they're accumulating, but you don't have the symptoms yet, what would you do? That's when you want to try different therapies or do simple basic things we can all do. Eat better, Mediterranean diet has been shown to be beneficial. Sleep is fundamental to human recovery. Reduction of stress, reduction of alcohol, aerobic exercise, um, controlling your blood sugar, management of weight and obesity, diabetes, hypertension, all these contribute to memory loss or memory difficulties over time. So if we can optimize these, especially if you know that you may be at risk for Alzheimer's in the future, we can do the simple things that we can all do. Diet, exercise, engaging with families and friends, new hobbies has been shown to very significantly recover the brain. The brain is very dynamic. Iceland really does love a volcano. Well, they don't have much choice as the island has about 130 of them, although only about 30 of them are actually active. It's largely because of where Iceland is located at the junction of two tectonic plates, and that's known as the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. The latest eruption has engulfed the tourist town of Grindavik in slow motion over the last few months. The town has been evacuated, but the eruption has drawn international media and amateur volcanologists who've captured spectacular footage of lava pouring into the town. So how long will this eruption go on for? and is the town of Grandovic ever going to be habitable again? Volcano geophysicist at Imperial College London, Michelle Paolato, spoke to Sky News. Well, this volcano keeps uh, surprising us. We don't really know how long it's going to last. We might have thought that it could last weeks or months. Uh, instead, what we saw in the last couple of days was um, an intense burst of uh, activity decreasing quite rapidly. So we're down to um, a quite weak it's behaving a little bit differently from the eruptions that we had last year at nearby at, at the nearby volcano Fagabatasfjall. We can't really use that experience to predict what's going to happen here. Um, I've heard some, some people there are quite realistic and think that they might not go back for, for quite a long time. There's hazards there that are going to persist. There's fissures in the ground. One person actually disappeared in one of these fissures. So these hazards are going to take time to fix. So to come on the Sunday 7, Forensic Science reconsiders bite mark evidence and we meet Retro the cloned rhesus monkey. Right after this... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. We're all familiar with TV's portrayal of forensic science, white-coated experts in gleaming labs who magically churn up the right evidence at the right time so that the case gets solved in time for the end of the show. Real-life forensic science is much more complicated, though, and one of the favourite devices of TV forensics, bite mark analysis, has been shown to be junk science and, in fact, has led to wrongful convictions. Keith Harward is one of those who was wrongfully imprisoned because of bite mark evidence in a rape case, and he spent 33 years in prison because of it. It took DNA evidence to prove his innocence and he was released from prison in 2016. Now he's campaigning to have forensic dentistry discounted as evidence. It's garbage. It's crap. You can't believe it. It doesn't mean anything. He got up there and with his four by six photographs of my mouth and the bite marks and stuff and said, well, I was a past president of this and, and I helped uh, Ted Bundy go to prison. I was done. That was it. The issue is that bite marks have never been proven to be unique and some experts have struggled to tell human bite marks from animals. Bite mark evidence is still permitted in UK cases, but there have been calls for a review of its validity. Dr Adam Freeman is a forensic dentist and he says the whole area is questionable. People that were board certified did not agree about what a bite mark was. If a science isn't a science and it's, it's not reproducible and it's not reliable, Courts of law should not allow it in, period. This week has seen the World Economic Forum take place in Davos, Switzerland. It's a meeting of world leaders and business leaders. And apart from Ukraine, there's been one topic that's on everyone's mind. And that is our old friend, artificial intelligence. It's an area that Microsoft is heavily involved in as an early investor in OpenAI. And original Microsoft founder Bill Gates spoke about the potential at a Bloomberg session in Davos. AI is a brilliant tool uh, for people to be more productive. Now, it means the bad guys will be more productive so they can do more cyber <laughs> attacks so they can design weapons. You always, you know, the internet, the microprocessor, all these things helped everybody be more efficient, including the bad guys. And so you, you've got to make sure the best AI for cyber defense or, you know, measures to defend against bioterrorism are in the hand of the good guys. And, you know, it, it's a challenge, but, you know, people sometimes lose sight of the fact that this is the biggest productivity advance in, in our lifetimes. He's not the only one taking a keen interest as the EU has opened an investigation into OpenAI and the relationship it has with Microsoft. European Commission Executive Vice President Margrethe Vestager says that it's important for regulators to understand what the potential impact of AI will be on the markets. What is interesting for us, of course, is what is the real relationship between OpenAI and Microsoft when it comes to, to control uh, of the business uh, in question. Uh, this is very preliminary, but it is 
part of a, a, a sort of a larger endeavor to understand how AI will uh, affect uh, our marketplaces. Because what we have seen with technology over the last two decades, it has completely upended how a number of markets are working, both the digital markets themselves, but also other markets. Now, when we put in AI to that game, uh, of course, we see that this may accelerate some of the uh, behaviors that we have seen and some of the things that we've been concerned about. Way back in 1996, there was much excitement as scientists announced they'd successfully cloned a sheep. Dolly became famous worldwide and lived for seven years. The cloning was carried out using a technique called somatic cell nuclear transfer, and it's since been used on various animals, including pigs and cattle. Now, scientists in China say they've used the same technique to clone a rhesus monkey called Retro. That's important because primates have been much more difficult to clone, and it moves science a couple of steps closer to being theoretically capable of cloning a human. Dr. Dieter Egli is an assistant professor at Columbia University and he says this is a significant breakthrough. Dr. Dieter Egli is an assistant professor at Columbia University and he says this is a significant breakthrough. I'm really astonished about that they were able to make this happen. More than 20 years we knew that you could clone sheep and horses and cats but despite several attempts everybody failed when cloning monkeys. China's goal is to create medically identical monkeys that they can use to research diseases such as Alzheimer's or Parkinson's and that they don't plan to experiment with human cloning. Dr. Marcy Darnovsky is the executive director at the Centre for Genetics in Society based in California. She says that there's already a legal structure in the States to prevent human cloning experiments. More than 60 countries and 15 states in the US actually have laws on the books saying that human reproductive cloning is illegal. This has been the Sunday 7. However you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7 Ireland edition. Have a great rest of the weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.